Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I very much am aware of uh, what is going on in the psyche of all of us in in this our American culture. Uh, we have just spent the last uh, uh, several weeks uh, leading up to this thing in our our culture that we celebrate as as Christmas. And now we uh, have achieved that particular celebration on the calendar. And now we find ourselves at this particular point of being uh, in a place of wrapping up the old year and one last time putting a bow on uh, all that God has done in our lives in 2014. And I read something that, that, that really blew my mind. This was, I think, for most of us Americans, uh, a, a good Christmas. Uh, uh, the economy uh, has been better uh, this year. And I read just recently that in the last 45 days that we spent $671 billion on this Christmas in the last 45 days as a nation. And so uh, I trust that uh, uh, some small part of that, a gift came your way. I trust that uh, out of that, that, that great big pie, uh, a gift or two filtered down to you and you received something that, that, that made a difference and brought some happiness to you this past week. But I want to talk today in my time together with you here at Christian Life. I want to talk about my best gift ever. I want to reason with you and talk to you about the best gift that I personally ever received. And I'm quite aware that, that, that when, I, when I, I talk like this, that, that, that maybe many of you identify the best gift that you ever received with something that, that you received at Christmas and and, and yet most of us in this, this sanctuary setting this morning know how it is, just how fleeting those kind of gifts truly are about how the excitement leads up to it and then we unwrap the Christmas gifts and we throw the paper over our shoulders and, and uh, we look at those gifts and by afternoon uh, they are not nearly as meaningful as all of the build-up to that moment of the unveiling of the gift. 
How many of you identify and understand that, that, that maybe some of you really have, have already forgotten what you got on Thursday? And, uh, and, and while uh, uh, it was good in the moment, you find out that really uh, a lot of it was not memorable. Well, I have found in the Word of God a portion of Scripture that details uh, the third missionary journey of a man by the name of Paul. And all of us that have spent any time at all in Scripture know that it was the Apostle Paul that is given credit for writing literally two-thirds of our New Testament as we know it. And Paul was a leader par excellent. He was a leader's leader. He was an apostle to not only the Jews but also to the Gentiles. And, and he was a missionary and he was a vessel that was greatly used of God. And now he finds himself in the 20th chapter of the, the, the book of Acts on his third missionary journey. And he is about to revisit for the third time a place called Ephesus. And so it is that I have found that when an individual gets to a place in life where they are going back and revisiting or re-experiencing some of the things that they have already experienced and, and, and going to some of the places that they have already gone and doing some of those things again the second and third time, you might want to take heed to what he is feeling, thinking, and saying. And so it is that in Acts 20, Paul gathers the elders of the church at Ephesus together and he speaks to them, telling them that I have no regrets for what I have taught you, for I have not failed to preach to you the whole counsel of God. But then verse 28 becomes my text for us on this last Sunday of 2014 when he says to them, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all of the flock among which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to shepherd the church of God and then this phrase is what leaped out off of the parchment to me. He said, to all of the leaders, take heed to yourself over which God has appointed you as leaders over the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And I want to talk to you today, first of all, about this greatest gift that I've ever received. I want to talk to you a little while about what this gift cost heaven. And then I want to talk this morning a little bit about what my greatest gift actually does and what it means to the world. And then I want to wrap up my remarks on this Sunday morning by asking you the question, if... This gift cost heaven everything. 
And if it really fulfills a great purpose in the world, what should this gift mean to you and I as we sit here today and as we go into this new year? Just what should your greatest gift truly mean to you? Now, I am very cognizant and aware of what the Bible teaches us concerning creation. The Bible teaches us that God is so powerful that everything that is was created by the spoken word of Almighty God. The Bible simply says that in the beginning was God and and you know all of uh, all of what it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God and without him not anything was made that was made so therefore let me establish the fact that when you talk about a God that is so powerful that he can simply speak the word and worlds are formed by the spoken word of God and creation brought into being everything that we now see and we now experience. I think that we in this, in, in this hour are, are uh, we should be blown away by what uh, uh, we are learning about uh, uh, God's creation. Uh, I was blown away recently when I, when I heard and saw about the probe that the European Space Authority sent into space some 10 years ago. And for 10 years of our time, it traveled through space at an amazing speed and then rendezvoused in deep space with a asteroid and actually landed on the surface of a floating body in deep space and we saw the pictures from the travels of that spacecraft into the depth of space as this spacecraft landed in deep space after traveling 10 long years to get there. And when I said, when I saw those pictures, I shook my head and I said, wow, what a God that is able by his spoken word just to speak planets into their orbits and asteroids into their place. And for us as his creation to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to go on record today as saying that creation is an awesome thing when God does the creating. Hallelujah to God. Why don't you, why why don't you look over at your neighbor and say, you're awesome. No matter what anybody, no, what, no, no matter what anybody else says, you're awesome because God created you. And yet, could I let you in on a secret that as awesome as everything is that God created, 
There is one thing that he did not create. There is one thing that that was so valuable to heaven that there was a higher price that had to be paid for it than a spoken word. And my text today gives to us the secret of God's greatest gift. When Paul the apostle got the revelation of who the mighty God was, and when he looked toward heaven with blinded eyes and asked the question, Who art thou, Lord? And I would just stop and digress and say, You better not ask that question if you don't want an answer. Because the mighty God will reveal himself to you if you'll just simply stop long enough to ask, Who are you, Lord? And when he got the answer back that it was Jesus whom he was persecuting, that was a great day in his life, but revelation upon revelation came to him. And now he writes in Acts 20 and 28, and he says that there is one thing that God did not create, but rather he said he purchased it. Everybody say he purchased it. My, my, my. I feel more like preaching now than when I got here. And I've been awake since 4.30 ready to preach. I'm, I, I, I want to get this in your spirit today. When it comes to God's greatest gift, He could have just spoken it into existence. The New Testament writer, Peter, goes on record and says that he could have purchased it with silver or gold, but he chose not to purchase it with silver or gold, although he owns all the silver and all the gold in every mine, in every mountain in this world, but he chose not to, it was so valuable to him that he actually devised a plan whereby he would slip in the back door of human history and go all the way to a rugged cross on Golgotha and he would shed his life's blood and by the shed blood of Jesus, the church of the living God that we're a part of was purchased. Hallelujah to God. Jeff Fluitt, I've known you a long time. I thank you. I thank you for being the man you are. But you know what God did for you? He purchased you with his own blood. One drop of his precious blood purchased your redemption. I look around this audience today, and what I see is a panorama of miracles. I see individuals that had no place in the body of Christ. But God did not stop with just speaking you into his body. He loved you so much. 
that he bore all of our sins and all of our iniquities. And he walked all the way to a cross. And he shed one drop of his precious blood for me and for you. And today, I tell you that it's worth worshiping God for because he purchased us with his own blood. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Could I just simply tell you that the church is heaven's greatest treasure. It is the greatest thing, the nearest thing to the heart of God. And that's the reason that every one of you that this year have gone down in the waters of baptism and you have come up out of that watery grave bearing the saving name of the Lord Jesus upon your life, your life suddenly changed. Could I go on record today is telling you that that did not come cheaply. Heaven paid a great price so that my sins would never be brought up against me again. I tell people that when Satan brings up my past, I bring up his future. Because I understand that I'm not a part of just the Lions Club. I'm not a part of just another earthly institution. I'm not a part of just another speaking gallery. I'm a part of the blood-bought church. And when I think about all of those Christmases that I can't remember what I received on Christmas, and all of those gifts have faded into memories past, I can stand and declare today that I've never gotten over this gift because it was the greatest gift that I've ever received. It was my initiation into the church of the living God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. And so, if that's what the church cost... What does the church do? If it costs heaven the very blood of Jesus, what does the church do? Now, I remember my college years, barely. Uh, I majored in history, and uh, I'm very much aware over the last 45, 50 years that our world has changed radically. And I want to just go on record in this pulpit today in, in Austin by simply setting the record straight about the role and the purpose of the church. Because we have many teachers and many professors and even filtering down to grade school and high school that are revising the history of the church in the world. 
I want to simply, I, I, I want to simply clear up something today by telling you that the only difference between a world of heathenism and a world with no discipline and no hope is one thing. That is the preaching of the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by his church that is in the world. Come on now. Could I tell you that one of the reasons that America has been so blessed is because our forefathers came to this land and there's some that will try to tell you that the only reason that they came was for wealth. But you go back and study their writings and you go back and study the history of it all and the forefathers of our North American continent came here primarily because they wanted the freedom to worship God according to the dictates of their heart and their soul. And you look back over the last 237 years of history and you'll find out that God has blessed America above all societies on the face of the earth. And I'm not here, I'm not here to, 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 to simply brag on America, although I'm grateful. I'm grateful I hit the lottery being born in a God-fearing country. And in spite of what's going on in our world today, I still thank God for the church that is holding back the judgment of God on this world as we know it. Never one time in my history of growing up have I ever had to apologize for my religion. Because you see, the church of the living God does not live in racism, man's inhumanity to man. You won't find the church of the living God lining people up and severing their heads and filming it and broadcasting it for the world to see. You won't find them murdering innocent children and using their severed heads as soccer balls kicked in the sand and life is not valued because ladies and gentlemen let me tell you about the church that you're a part of today every time you come to church you'll be lifted up by the life giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when you leave this house today I want you to know that you're going to have hope for tomorrow You're going to have something that's going to give you the impetus to be a blessing to someone else next week. You know why? Because you are a part of the best gift that heaven has ever given. The church of the living God. Think about the fact that if it wasn't for the church... Judgment would already have come to this world. Just think 
what a church of ten would have meant to the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham entered into a, a, a discussion and a bargaining process with God. And he said, God, would you spare these cities if I can just find a church of ten righteous people? And you know what God's answer was? I'll do it. He had negotiated all the way down to ten. Pastor Rex, I wondered if, 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 if Abraham had just had the, the courage to, to say, God, would you spare them for a church of five? But he was so embarrassed, he wouldn't go any lower with God and in the bargaining process. Could I just, could I tell you today that what you are to this old world is salt and light? And wherever, where you go in 2015, you're going to leave a deposit of, of goodness and graciousness and godliness and righteousness. And everybody is going to see the smile on your face and the hope that comes from your life. And they're going to wonder what makes you tick. And it's all because of the best gift that you ever received of being a part of the church. And so, if the church holds back the darkness, and if it cost heaven everything, then let me ask this audience this morning, what should the church mean to you in 2015? If it meant that much to heaven, that God wouldn't create it, but he devised a plan to purchase it. And he paid it in full. And then he set it up to be the barrier and the barricade to hold back darkness and judgment. What should this church mean to you? I'm just going gonna, gonna to reason with you today. If it meant that much to God and it means that much to the world, I feel personally that I would not be worthy of the church if I withhold any of myself this coming year. That means that when the doors of the church are open, I'm not going to look for an excuse not to be here. I don't need any more reason than what has already been given to me. Because I'm going to join with the psalmist David in saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to be here because, you know what? I wouldn't feel worthy of the gift that God has bestowed upon my life if I don't take it seriously. And I show up when it's time to show up. You know what? I, I, I wouldn't feel good about myself in 2015 if, 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 if I, put, I put church second. 
You know how, you, you know how this old world is. You know, you know how it wants to, to prioritize our lives for us. Uh, there's soccer. There's baseball. There's football. There's every kind of distraction in the world. And can I tell you that there's not anything wrong with any of those things as long as they don't take precedent over your best gift ever. As long as you keep the main thing the main thing. As long as you keep the church at the top of the list. And you simply say, Lord, you purchased my redemption and I owe you everything. And I wouldn't feel right about giving you the leftovers of the crumbs of my life in 2015. I'm just saying today that I'm going to give God the very best of myself this year. Let me tell you what the church really means. It's really your only hope of salvation. You can't be saved without the body of Christ. Because you know who he's coming back for? He's coming back for a blood-bought, called-out, excelsior, set-apart, a body that has made herself ready, a bride that is watching, that is anticipating, that is waiting. Hallelujah to God. I'm about to preach myself happy this morning when I tell you that when the trump of God shall sound, all of those that have already been planted under the sod, the Bible says they're going to come forth first. And that we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And forever we shall be with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is your only hope of salvation. It's your only hope of salvation. Secondly, the church is a sanctuary in the storms of life. Let's just, let's, let me see a show of hands. How many of you in this first service have, have, have experienced some things in 2014 that you didn't see coming last year at this time? You, you, you ran into some situations and some storms. Look, look around you. Any of you ever feel alone? Just, 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 just look around you. Could I tell you? That there's not anything that happens to anyone else that will not happen to you sooner or later. If you're privileged to hang around long enough, you're going to run into a storm in life. And I hope you'll remember this message that the greatest gift that God ever gave you was the church. Because when the storm is raging... And the wind is blowing. Could I encourage you to not run from the church. 
but the place to run is to the church. Is there anybody that has ever found a touch of God around these altars? Is there anybody that has ever received a word of hope from this pulpit? When you didn't know whether you were going to make it or not, one word from God changed the whole atmosphere of your life. And therefore, you find yourself with the greatest gift that God ever gave you. The church, a sanctuary from the storms of life. Let me tell you what the church means thirdly. The church is your ticket to greatness. Oh, help me Jesus right here. So much of what you're bombarded with by that old world out there is designed to put you down, to steal your self-worth, to sap your joy. But you won't find that around CLC. Can I tell you, this is one of the most unique places in all the world. I don't know of another church that has Wednesday nights like you all do. I don't know of another church that people get plum giddy about getting to church on Wednesday night. I kind of think that you've fallen in love with the center of the church. The source of joy in the church. And some of you, you didn't have a future till you met Jesus. And when you met Jesus, suddenly he unlocked that that had been bound up inside of you for a lifetime. And the enemy had you convinced that you did not have a future and there was no greatness in you. But now you find yourself doing things that you never dreamed of doing and influencing people that you never, you never dreamed that you would have influence with simply because you received the gift of the church in your life. The church is your key to greatness. Now let me wrap this up and tie a bow around it by saying the fourth thing that the church means is that it is the gateway to the greatest relationships that you will ever have in life. Right here in this house, you will meet people that will go the distance with you. Pastors already alluded to it, but the year was 1973. Pastor Rex and I were both young 
preachers just hoping that someone would have us, someone would love us. He was a hotshot evangelist that played a flat top guitar and he could work one over and he could sing and uh, he could preach. I'm glad to report that all these years later he can still do all those things. But that's what he was doing when I met him when we were just 23-year-old young men. And could I tell this audience today that I don't know how God works, but I'm just reporting in to tell you that when God allowed my path to cross with the life of Pastor Rex Johnson, He gave me one of the greatest relationships that anyone could ever have in life. And you know where we met? We met in the church. We met in the church. But I want to say today that I've never had a friend quite like your pastor. Because when you're a friend of Pastor Rex, you've got a friend for a lifetime. Now, this is the way I'm going to wrap it up today. I get to be his friend, and I get to see him ever so often. But he gets to be your pastor, and you get to do life with him every day and every week. And could I tell you that for the last 25 years, I remember coming and preaching in the old building to just a little handful of people. But every time I walk into this house now, I just marvel at the goodness of God because you see, I find out that the blessings of God is upon this house and it's a house where you can build friendships and relationships that will last for a lifetime. And so today, I don't know what you received for Christmas this year. Maybe you've already forgotten it. But I just stopped by today to tell you that the best gift I ever got was a gift that was purchased. It cost heaven everything. The gift, the best gift I ever got still means something to the world. Whether they recognize it or not, it's the only thing standing between judgment and his coming the church and I look around this room today and I see people that have become my friend 
because I've known your pastor, I've had the privilege of doing life with some of the men of this congregation. I've traveled with them. Could I tell you today that the people in this church, they're not perfect, but they're forgiven. The men that I've been around in this church, you'll never hear them speak an ill word of the church of the living God. But they're always looking for ways to bless the body of Christ. That's what I want to be a part of. That's who I want to do life with. And so today, if you feel blessed by the hand of God, would you stand in this house? And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.